Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-sports.com. Arkansas basketball dropping a disappointing game to Mississippi State following a huge win on the road at Kentucky. Arkansas baseball gearing up. We're going to talk to Andrew Ellis about that. And is this the biggest spring in Sam Pittman's career? We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of Hogsports Live. Before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't followed the page yet on Facebook, be sure to do so with 90,000 other Razorback fans. Also available on YouTube. Subscribe to both of those channels. Hit the notifications bell so you're alerted on YouTube. Anytime we upload new videos, throw us a like, thumbs up, whatever it is on both of those platforms. Also available on Apple Podcasts. Throw us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. We certainly love for you to let other people know what to expect from the show if they're listening on Apple Podcasts. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. And Hog Sports is just $1 for your first month at hawgsports.com. Where to go? Bracketology? As Jerry Palm says with CBS, it's not good to lose to other bubble teams at home. And that's what Arkansas did on Saturday, losing to Mississippi State. Uh, kept battling back. Seemed like every time they battled back, something would happen. And, like, I'm not putting it on Devo Davis because Devo Davis has done a lot of great things for Arkansas. Huge in the Kentucky game. After the Kentucky game, everybody's like, you know, Devo, he's – you know, let the game come to him, all this kind of stuff. And it felt like a little bit there were too many times where he forced an issue or made something more difficult than it needed to be. And a lot of times, like when Arkansas would surge back like three different times, something would happen like that that, you know, caused things to sway back the other way. So got to get it figured out. Devo's been playing really good basketball, but has caught a lot of flack for uh, his play in the last game. I mean, there's other – Ricky Council didn't have a great game. There's plenty of other things. Makai Mitchell, Fallon, getting getting a whole lot of foul calls against him. Uh, a lot of things that were disappointing um, with the way Arkansas played at home against Mississippi State. Standings right now, Arkansas is 6-6, six and 17-8 six, and eight overall. Again, considered a bubble team by a lot of people. There's 23rd in the net, though, um, which is the third highest in the SEC. Six and six, which puts them dead middle of the pack, right behind Kentucky at seven and five. And what do they have coming up next? Actually, let's look at this. So this is from a Curtis Wilkerson uh, article on Hog Sports. What's left on the schedule? Current quad ones at Texas A&M, at Alabama at Tennessee. Arkansas has got six regular season games left. 
That's three of them. So they're going to have their opportunities to prove whether they belong or not. At Texas A&M, at Alabama, at Tennessee. Of course, the next one's coming at Texas A&M, and we'll talk a little bit about them in just a second. They're second in the SEC right now in standings. Uh, current quad two remaining, Florida and Kentucky at home. They round out the regular season at Kentu- uh, with Kentucky at home. And then the quad three game is Georgia at, at home. So three road games, three home games remaining. As we mentioned, Arkansas is currently 23rd in the net rankings, third in the SEC. Curtis breaks down everything, ESPN, BPI, Ken Palm, Torvik, just about every single thing, which is just part of the great basketball coverage you get from Curtis Wilkerson. Most of it you need a VIP subscription for. This is actually a free article, though, so you can go to Hogsports and check out that article. So just in a chronological sense of what's next, Texas A&M, Wednesday, February 15th, in Bryan College Station. We talked about Texas A&M. They're currently second in the SEC behind Alabama in the SEC standings. Texas A&M – they won 27 games last year, missed the NCAA tournament. They were 9-9 nine and nine in league play. Uh, Florida after that in Bud Walton Arena on Saturday, February 18th. That ought to be pretty rowdy. It's a 1 o'clock game. The Texas A&M game, by the way, is 8 o'clock ESPN2. Florida is also ESPN2, 1 o'clock February 18th. And then it's Georgia in Bud Walton Arena on February 21st, 8 p.m. So back-to-back, uh, no, that's Wednesday and Tuesday, so mid midweek games at 8 o'clock anyway. And then you're at Tuscaloosa. That's going to be tough, 1 o'clock on a Saturday. What an environment that ought to be. And then at Tennessee. Tennessee has lost back-to-back buzzer beaters. The last one was a 40-foot three-pointer against Missouri on Saturday. So Tuesday, February 28th, Knoxville, Tennessee at – excuse me, at Tennessee. And then Saturday, March 4th, Kentucky and Bud Walton Arena at 1 o'clock. That one will be on CBS. When you play Kentucky, you get the uh, the motherships type stations. The last one was on ESPN, and this one's on CBS. So that's what's remaining for Arkansas basketball. They certainly got opportunities to prove they belong in the NCAA tournament. They just got to win the games. That's all. They just got to win. Switching over to football real quick. And we're going to talk more about football. College football's 10 most interesting coordinator hires this offseason ranked by our friends over at 24-7 Sports. So, Dow Loggins is listed, number nine, going to South Carolina. Kendall Browles, Bobby Petrino is listed number five, I should say, going to Texas A&M, obviously. Kendall Browles, where is Kendall? Oh, Kendall Browse, number six to TCU. So three guys with Arkansas connections listed as the most interesting, 10 most interesting coordinator hires in college football. Three offensive guys. This is for defensive coordinators too, defensive and offensive. Three offensive guys, Arkansas ties. Dan Enos is not mentioned on this list. Travis Williams isn't listed on this list. These are the kind of articles that we read this time of year. Top 10s, preview articles. They're fun. People are always like, why do this? Why do a top 25 poll, you know, before the season starts? Because it's fun and it gives us something to talk about and something also to complain about a little bit. We can complain about where Arkansas is, where they're not, whether or not they should be doing the top 25 at that point. So I've been diving in a little bit, looking at position breakdowns as we get closer to spring football again. That starts March 19th, or excuse me, March 9th. Starts March 9th, uh, and then and then they have spring break, and then they'll pick up again. So they've got five practices before that. The red-white game is on 
April 15th. That should be the 14th. They haven't outlined the schedule completely, but I'm expecting that to be the 14th of the 15th allowable practices they can have. So April 15th, and then they'll have one more after it. And that's when the, you know, we talked about the sports cluster in the last episode where you have baseball in full swing. We're going to talk to Andrew Ellis here in just a minute. Uh, baseball in full swing, March Madness going on, whether or not Arkansas is involved in that or not, I guess is to be determined. Uh, spring football, and then, of course, the recruiting dead period ends uh, after February 28th. So March picks up the uh, an open cycle in recruiting. So a lot will be going on right when football starts on March 9th and hopefully every sport. SEC tournament, when is SEC? I think the last regular season game is March 4th. And so a few days after that, the SEC tournament will start. And depending on where Arkansas is seated, will depend on what day they start. Looking at the offensive line, heading into the spring, this is probably – this is an area where Arkansas – Let's talk about running backs first. I'm going, to, I'm going to get to offensive line because offensive line is going to be critical for running back success, obviously, and they have some things to improve there. But uh, this is probably the best collection of running backs that Arkansas has had, I would say, maybe since 2015. Uh, back in 2015, if you remember, you had Alex Collins, Jonathan Williams. Both of them were coming off of 1,100-yard seasons. You had 2,000-yard backs returning. Uh, you also had a freshman by the name of Raleigh Williams. You had an older guy by the name of Cody Walker. Um, what that season, I think, taught a lot of us, if you didn't already know, is that how important depth is at the position. So going into that season, you know, that was supposed to be like the key part of this team was the the running back rotation with Jonathan Williams and Alex Collins. Jonathan Williams broke his foot in fall camp. Broke his foot in fall camp. That was during, you know, Brett Bielema tenure where they seemed to like have a guy break his foot every week, it seemed like. I don't know what was going on. They couldn't figure it out, but it was just – whether it was the turf, the shoes, who knows. They It kept happening on different turfs, different, different styles of shoes, I guess, all one brand, but they could not figure out what was happening. And, unfortunately, Jonathan Williams, I guess his career, his career at Arkansas ended then. Um, so, Jonathan – wasn't able to play. Alex Collins ended up rushing for 1,500 yards that year, 20 touchdowns. This, the best running back season in Arkansas history by a guy named not, not named Darren McFadden. You go back to Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, that's the last time you had 2,000-yard rushers in a season. And then two, 2015 you had it. And now – so maybe it's like every seven, eight years or so you get something like this. But, um, you know, looking ahead, Arkansas doesn't have that, but do they have the possibility of having a couple thousand-yard rushers? Maybe. Dan Enos was the offensive coordinator, you know, back then in 2015 with Alex Collins. The last time you would say that this is, you know, a group, you know, a really elite group of running backs at Arkansas and not just like one guy, but a group. So, yeah, just looking ahead at what Arkansas has got coming back, you've got Raheem Sanders. 6'2", 227, a.k.a. Rocket Sanders. Now, Raheem only ran 13 times for 64 yards in the last two games and still racked up 1,443 rushing yards on 222 carries, 6.5 yards per carry. That's higher than McFadden ever had, higher than Alex Collins, 10 touchdowns. He also had 28 catches for 271 yards and two more touchdowns. 
So a solid season by Rocket Sanders, even though in the last two games when there are opportunities to become Arkansas's all-time leading rusher by a guy, again, not named Darren McFadden, to lead the SEC in rushing over Quinshawn Judkins, who ended up doing it. 13 carries, 64 yards. Now, in the bowl game, he was hurt and wasn't able to come back. But the Missouri game just wasn't utilized enough, really. So, you know what you have in Rocket Sanders, but you also know that you have to have some quality depth. Um, and that's where A.J. Green and Rashad DeBinion step in. So, A.J. Green, 87 carries, 412 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, three touchdowns last year. And Rashad DeBinion, 71 carries, 293 yards, 4.1 yards per carry with five touchdowns as a true freshman. Those two guys are fairly similar. DeBinion might have a little bit more pop. DeBinion goes 5'10", 211. Green goes 5'11", 208. Rocket Sanders, 6'2", 227. So, a different style of back with Rocket Sanders. But that's a solid trio of backs. You've got a little bit more, though. Now, you've got a couple of guys that aren't going to be available this spring. Dominic Johnson coming back from his second ACL tear. Will he be back to normal? This one happened a lot earlier than the, than the other one. The other one happened in the, in the bowl game 20, after the 2021 season. Uh, and then, you know, 2022 comes along. He doesn't go through the spring. He doesn't go through fall camp. He joins the team later. You know, they get him in a little bit, and then he tears his other ACL. I think it was his other one. Was it the same one? No, I think it was the same one. Um, but tears it again. So that was real unfortunate. You hate to see that. He's a big, bruising type of back. He probably was about 240 when he was with the team. He might have been bigger than that. Uh, but he's a big back. But in 2021, he went 86 times for 498 yards, 5.8 yards to carry, six touchdowns, and eventually took over as a starting running back. They Like, he didn't have more than six carries that year in a single game until past the midpoint of the season. So, in the first time he got 20 carries or so, or maybe it was 18, close to 20, he went for over 100 yards. So, uh, he's not going to be available for the spring, though. I mean, he's not going to be back in time, but should be available by the start of um, fall camp. The other guy is, who's not going to be available this spring is Isaiah Augustave, 6'2", 195 running back out of Naples, Florida, in the high school class. He is not one of the 12 early enrollees out of the high school ranks, 22 total, inc- including the uh, – the, the transfer class, you had 10 and 12. So, Agustave was the number 224 overall prospect in the nation, number 13 running back in the nation. And Arkansas got in, in on him really early, actually. They got in on him very early before he shot up the recruiting rankings. I remember he went to – he went to some camp in Florida that 24-7 was at, and they just and he won like the top dog or whatever at the camp, and uh, he shot up the rankings uh, following that. So, I mean, you're looking at a pretty solid room of running backs right there. Those are all the scholarship guys. Rocket Sanders, A.J. Green, Rashad DeBinion, Isaiah Augustave, all four of those guys were four-star prospects. I'll say what's interesting about Sanders, Green, and DeBinion, they were all listed as athletes. None of them were listed as running backs coming out of high school. As we know, Sanders, we thought maybe he would be a wide receiver when he came to Arkansas. But uh, that's four four-star running backs in your backfield and Dominic Johnson to go with that. Now, if you look ahead to the offensive line, the guys are going to be running behind. The thing that sticks out to me the last time we talked about Arkansas's great backfield was that 2015 offensive line, the biggest offensive line in football, coached by Sam Pittman. It's a big group of guys to run behind. And 
Does Arkansas have that this year? They don't have the returning experience that that line had because for the first time with Sam Pittman, you've got a lot of new faces on the offensive line. I say new faces, new to starting maybe is a, is a, better, a better term. So the way things are going to start out here, based on what I'm told, this is what to expect trotting out there. Left tackle, Devon Manuel. He's a big guy, 6'9", 334. Right tackle, even though I think Takias Crawford is more of a guard than a tackle, look for him to start out at right tackle, 6'5", 325. And we'll see how it goes from there, but that's what I'm told are going to be the two guys. And then Andrew Chambly, the redshirt freshman, is going to be working at both spots. Don't count him out either. They're going to get their best five out there. And the reason I think Crawford right now is listed as a tackle is because he's one of the best five, and they got to get him out there. We know Bo Limmer is shifting from right guard to center to take over for Ricky Stromberg. And we know that Brady Latham returns at left guard. Latham is another guy that can play basically any spot. I don't know that he's played center, but the other four spots, he's played all of those at some point in his career. He can line up at left tackle. If they decide he's the best option at left tackle, then that's where he's going to be because Pittman, first and foremost, is going to figure out who his tackles are and then who his center is. And then he's going to worry about the guards. Not that the guards are less important. It's just those are a little bit more specialized. You need to be really tall, long, long torso type of guy to be a tackle, good feet, a center. You need to be able to snap the ball. Make sure you know everybody else. You know, you're kind of the leader up front as the center. So a little more specialized position. So um, left. So that pretty much outlines everything except for that right guard spot. And there you could have um, a Marion Harris starting out. I don't think I don't think that Joshua Braun is going to start out at the first team right guard. And the reason is because of the history that we know with Sam Pittman and transfers. They almost always start out on the third team. I can remember back when John Ridgeway and that group, you know, Trey Williams and you know that group uh, of defensive linemen came in, they were actually uh, fall enrollees, but every single one of them was with the third team. And then they, and then, you know, next week they were the second team, and then they were first team guys. So Pittman doesn't just hand out starting spots to, to transfers, guys that hadn't been there. He wants them to earn it. So, but you've got a lot of options there at right guard. But eventually, I think we're going to see Joshua Braun emerge. And the reason I don't see Braun uh, playing tackles, because I think that's what they kind of had him at at Florida. And he, really, I think, saw himself as a guard. So, I think that right guard spot is where we're going to see Joshua Braun probably commit, uh, compete with a Marion uh, Harris also. Patrick Kudis is another guy to watch. Don't sleep on Patrick Kudis, who actually played last year. He's a sophomore. Came in as a freshman last season. But Patrick Kudis, a Marion Harris, Joshua Braun, I would say keep an eye on those guys. Andrew Chambly, I think he's more of a left tackle type, 6'6", 303. And then uh, Terry Wells, Cole Carson, Eli Henderson, probably your, your backup center. Um, those would be some other guys to keep an eye on. Josh Street, also from the walk-on groups, is another guy to keep an eye on. And then you got new additions uh, coming in who will all be here uh, for the spring semester. Luke Brown, a guy that I'm really high on. I think he's got a lot of ability, 6'5", 315, out of Paris, Tennessee, Henry County. Paris Patterson, 6'6", 345 out of East St. Louis, Illinois. And then uh, Joey Sua out of Bentonville, 6'4", 320. Patterson's a big kid, 6'6", 345. Big dude. So, that's where things stand on the offensive line. I think it's um, there should be an intriguing battle. I've, got, I've broken down the depth chart. I've got like three, four deep at most positions all the way across. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Anyway, just a few thoughts on the spring. And I really feel, guys, this is, I mean, you're heading into year four with Sam Pittman. You would like to see them take a nice step forward. They've had so much turnover and transition. I mean, you've got three out of the four new coaches on defense. Three out of the four are new. Uh, on offense, you, you're replacing your offensive line. You, you got KJ Jefferson back at quarterback, but I don't know. I, I think when you look at this defense, a lot of you know things about how we feel about Sam Pittman, how we feel about the future of the program, going to be determined by what happens on defense. The offense should be in good hands. I think they will be. You've got some new receivers and you know some you know new new players like that and stuff. But um, ultimately, on, when you look at the defensive side of the ball. You know, with the linebacker situation, the secondary is the worst secondary in the country last year in terms of yardage given up. And I look at Marcus Woodson, what he did at Florida State. The year before he arrived at Florida State, uh, the Seminoles were 13th out of 14 ACC teams. We talked about this last week. And you look at what he did, you know, last year, his last year there, they were fourth in the country. Pretty solid improvement. So – that's going to be something – I mean, how much improvement this defense makes is going to be huge. But uh, but Pittman has I – don't, I don't know that he's had this much turnover since he's been at Arkansas. You, you know, the first year you had all those super seniors returning, you know, after 2020. You had 2020, and then you had all those super seniors returning in 2021. And then last year you had a lot of transfers, but you only had eight transfers. This year you're talking about 26 scholarship players leaving the team. So many new players coming in that you bring in and out of the transfer portal. And there's more to come. I mean, we're looking at like seven, eight, nine more at least coming in. I mean, you could have some more guys leave in the May transfer portal window. So you've got all that. You've got two new coordinators on both sides of the ball. You know, basically replacing your defensive staff except for Deke Adams. Uh, New tight ends coach on offense. You know, not as much changeover with the staff on offense, but that offensive line, it's something to watch. It's a big part of everything you're able to do. People talk about quarterbacks and stuff all the time, how great this guy is and, you know, how he goes through his progressions and whatnot. But, yeah, it's easy to go through your progressions when your offensive line is great and you know you're not about to take a hit. You can sit back there comfortably. Maybe you've never even taken one (laughs) on some of these schools. So – you know, looking ahead to the schedule, and I'm going to get to you here, Andrew, in just a minute. You're coming up. But I wanted to look at the schedule real quick for the football season next year because this is the second year in a row that Arkansas has had a dramatically huge gap between home games. They've got a 34-day period between home games. 
So the schedule starts out, and that, to me, okay, this last year they had like a 30-day period also, and that was also due to having a bye. They had a bye week during that time. So they had like a 30-day period, 31-day period, where they didn't have a home game, partially because of a bye. Um, well, yeah, because of partially because of a bye, but also because of, you know, scheduling games and, you know, Arlington, that, that played a role in it too. But these are the kind of things that, to me, make it hard for a team that's trying to get over the hump to get over the hump when you don't have a schedule that's really favorable. I mean, that long a stretch without a home game? So last year, just to look at last year real quick. I can't see. Here we go. Last year, the the gap came after the Alabama game on October 1st. And then you did not have another home game in October. You had at Starkville, October 8th, Provo, October 15th, Auburn, October 29th, and then November 5th, you returned to Fayetteville and faced Liberty and lost. So after all that, you return home. It's kind of comparable to the basketball team. You had two home games, back-to-back home games, uh, impacted by weather. You had road games, and then you finally return home. You know, good weather, 5 o'clock game, Mississippi State, and great home environment, and you lose. Kind of the same thing that happened with the Liberty game. So this year with football, you, you open them with Western Carolina and Little Rock. I don't love that. I don't, I don't love that. I don't love starting out the season. Not that it's not your home stadium, it's your home away from home, but not in Fayetteville. I, don't, I just don't I, – I just think that's a terrible way to schedule the start of your season away from home, away from Fayetteville. On the road. Kent State, Fayetteville, September 9th. BYU, Fayetteville, September 16th. Hey, three home games in a row. And then LSU in Baton Rouge to open SEC slate. It's It seems like Arkansas almost always, not 100% of the time, but almost always opens SEC play on the road. It feels like that happens all the time. And then next week – you're supposed to be the home team, but you got to play at Arlington, at Texas A&M. Is this the last time that Arkansas has to do this as a home team? I think it might be. But so tired of this series. So tired of going to this stadium. I'm just tired of it. And I know it's great for Texas fans, and that's great. It's great for you. I don't like it. You can like it. I don't. I don't like going to the press box in Arlington, and people look like ants. What is this, a stadium for ants? People look like ants. I'm watching the whole game through my binoculars or on the Jumbotron. I just I'm, – I'm tired of the game. I'm tired of it. Then you go to Oxford, October 7th. So, just to recap where we are now, September 23rd, Baton Rouge. This is the SEC slate. The start of SEC play. First game on the road. Second game in Arlington. Third game at Oxford. Fourth game, Tuscaloosa. What the hell? You do not get over the ske- you do not get over the hump as a program by having an unfavorable schedule like that. You could easily start 0 and 4. You're on the road basically all four games. Mississippi State in Fayetteville Saturday, October 21st. So you go from Saturday, September 16th to Saturday, October 21st between home games in Fayetteville. And there's not a bye week in there. It's not a bye that's 
that's contributing to that. And you know, like the SEC would never like they don't like to give back to back away games. They certainly don't want to give three, and they haven't given you three. But they know that you're playing that game in Arlington. They know that you're playing that game in Arlington, and they're not worried about it. They don't care. You're Arkansas. They're not worried about you. So after Mississippi State, you go to Florida. I mean, don't even get me started on the last, what is it, five times that they've played Florida and how many have been in Florida versus how many have been in Arkansas. Because every time there's been something that's screwy, they add a new, you know, add new teams to the to the to the SEC. And to fix the schedule, you just ship Arkansas off to Florida. You have COVID nineteen pandemic. Well, what are we going to do? We got a ten game conference. Let's ship Arkansas to Florida. I mean, like the number of times they've played in Gainesville versus having Florida in Fayetteville is absolutely absurd. But they're not worried about you. Auburn in Fayetteville, November eleventh. Florida International in Fayetteville, November eighteenth, and November twenty fifth, Missouri. So, if it's true and they remember in November, you got three home games to finish things out in Fayetteville, 11th, 18th, and 25th. When is the buy? The buy is between the 21st and the 4th, October 24th, 1st and the 4th. That's pretty wild. I mean, like, just think about it like this, too. So, after that, after that game, uh, on the 16th. So then you your next home game, after the game on September 16th, your next home game is October 21st. And then your next home game after that is November 11th. So that, I mean, it's just right in the middle of the schedule. You have like one home game. Pretty wild to me. Cannot wait for this Fayetteville and, I mean, a big part of it, too, like, you know, you lose a home game to Little Rock, you lose a home game to Texas A&M, to Arlington. All right. By the way, speaking of schedule changes and everything, we're about to find out pretty soon what's going to go on because Texas and Oklahoma are, as expected – coming in a year early, so they'll be here for the 2024 season. At that point, I think we're what we're going to see, this hasn't been official, but we're going to see the end of divisions and we're going to see, um, you know, rotational schedules, not pods, but Arkansas, I think, will end up with three permanent opponents and then everybody else will rotate, go to a nine-game SEC schedule, which I'm in favor of, more SEC games. But who are the three teams? Who are the three, te- the three teams you want to see Arkansas play every year? Is it Ole Miss? You want to see them play Ole Miss every year? Texas every year? LSU? That's kind of what I would like to see. Ole Miss, Texas, LSU. I think they'll probably give Arkansas, Missouri, Texas A&M, maybe Ole Miss, Mississippi State. (laughs) But I think that's the way that it makes the most sense. And you could also do, you know, two, two teams. I think if you did two teams, you would be able to hold on to all the rivalries that you want to. You know, Auburn, Alabama, Alabama, Tennessee, um, you know, Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Auburn. Those are all like, you know, some of the things, some of the reasons that we haven't gone to like, you know, just one 
opponent or just getting rid of rotational opponents because they want to keep those rivalries going. Obviously, you want to keep Georgia-Auburn together, the oldest rivalry in the South, continuing, continuous rivalry. All right. I told Andrew it was going to be 20 minutes and it's been 30. So we're going to get to Andrew Ellis. For those of you who have not followed Andrew Ellis on Twitter, you're making a mistake if you love Razorback baseball because he's your man for Arkansas baseball coverage. does a great job. Andrew really does everything. He covers basketball, covers football, um, and and he's the, the main baseball guy. So definitely go check out his stuff. And, again, you can follow him at Andrew Ellis 24-7 on Twitter. Andrew, how you doing, Trey man? Bitty. What's going on? I'm about 10 minutes late having you on. I apologize. But um, – we we've got to the point of the show where we've we've covered basketball, we've covered football, and now it's time for some baseball discussion. And most people understand that I they probably know way more than I do about baseball. Uh, I just kind of follow along with what you put out there, uh, which uh, in my opinion has been has been pretty solid, uh, pretty enjoyable. Uh, Arkansas had a couple of scrimmages this past weekend, and they kicked things off with the college baseball showdown against Texas, and then TCU, and then OSU. Um, Andrew, I'm just going to kind of let you let you take it. What did you see from the scrimmage, and what are you projecting to see coming up here? And also, I guess we got to mention unfortunate news about uh, Jackson Wiggins. Yeah, you know the Jackson Wiggins news was was definitely tough. Um, you know, it was very weird. He didn't throw in the scrimmages the last few weekends, and I was trying to ask around and see, like, hey, is there something going on? And nobody was super concerned about it. They were just like, oh, you know, he had some soreness; it'll be fine. And then, of course, Tuesday the news comes out torn UCL out for the year second year in a row now where Arkansas had a guy that they were projecting to be their number one guy is going to be out for the year with the same injury and man, you really just hate it for the kid I mean he you know this is a guy that you know hasn't had the best you know in-game results to this point in his Arkansas career but he's a super talented kid I mean guy that can flirt with throwing 100 miles an hour and even given his struggles last year was a guy that was projected to be a top 50 top 100 type prospect that's the kind of talent he was. And, you know, he really was – he was one of the guys that was kind of standing out in the fall, and they were expecting a lot out of him. But the good news is that Arkansas really has plenty of options to go to in his absence. And the thing that stuck out to me this weekend is they had their their three guys who were expected to start this weekend, and Hagan Smith, Will McIntyre, and Hunter Holland. They kind of just stepped right up, and they looked they, – they all three looked really solid in their last kind of tune-up before the real deal. And so there's not a ton of concern there, whereas, like, this time last year, it was kind of like, what are they going to do to replace Peyton Paulette? Mm-hmm. Well, Jackson Wiggins is a huge blow, and you know you hate to see it, but Arkansas has options in their pitching staff, and that's the thing that Coach Dave Van Horn's really raved about with this team is the depth that they have with their pitching staff. That's kind of be the, going to be the thing that drives this team going forward. So Hagen Smith was all freshman last year, um, four six six ERA, ninety strikeouts. Uh, tell us more about the JUCO kid. Yeah, so the I'd say the, one of the biggest surprises with the pitching staff has been Hunter Holland, man. I mean, Van Horn and Matt Hobbs, the pitching coach, have been very open that he's been better than they thought they would. I mean, he comes from a school of San Jacinto College, which has kind of become a JUCO powerhouse at cranking out talent. And so they thought they were getting a good player who could probably help them, but turns out he's been just blowing people away. I mean, he's in the mid-90s with his fastball, big left-handed kid, and he's a guy that in the fall, the D1 baseballs of the world and Baseball America's kind of came to Fayetteville, and he was the guy that everyone was raving about. And he's the guy that's probably 
going to step into that Sunday role. Mm. <laughs> and uh, they're really excited about, like, what he can bring to the table. Throws a ton of strikes. And like I said, he's been arguably their most consistent pitcher to this point. He had a little bit of some tough luck yesterday in his outing, but he's been really solid, and I know they're really pumped about him. Andrew Ellis joining us again. You can follow him at Andrew Ellis 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, does a fantastic job covering all aspects of Razorback sports and especially with his focus on on baseball. Um, you know, you've got – we talked about CBS and ESPN. You can always tell when you've got a big game when it's on those platforms. But I don't know if anything tops flow sports for baseball. And that's what, that's what we're getting uh, this weekend, which is a, a subscription service that streams baseball games in um, overall poor quality. I mean, how, how how fitting is it that you have this wonderful event on paper where you have SEC teams, Big 12 teams, there's top 10 matchups, top 15 matchups. On paper, should be this awesome event where it gets people excited about the start of college baseball. should be a huge thing that you'd want to really push if you're a college baseball guy and have your top teams out there and all these big fan bases, Arkansas, Texas. I mean, it should be great, but then mm. you force people to pay $30. Nobody knows how to do it. You have some people that are trying to figure they're paying for the wrong subscription they're paying for it year long and it's just it's just a mess every year and you know no one's really been able to break down for me why they can't just stream it on espn platforms or have something like this televised it just doesn't make any sense you'd have programs like arkansas and texas and tcu and vanderbilt's going to be here i mean just the the biggest programs and biggest fan bases in college baseball and their fans are having to pay thirty dollars and nobody outside of those fan bases can even see the game. It's just, it's just baffling to me, but you know, uh, we'll have as much coverage as we can on hogsports.com. I'm going to try to do live update threads because I know some people won't want to pay the thing. And, you know, I'm going to head down there Friday, try to get there in time for that first game. And I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be a great atmosphere and the game should be awesome. And we should learn a lot about this team. They're going to get tested early, but like I said, the flow sports thing is just a – it really puts a damper on the whole thing. Yeah, it really does. I mean, the same thing with, like, when they were in Europe with the basketball team. And, you know, no matter how many times we explain with people the package that they need to sign up for, how to do it, tons of them are like, oh, well, here's a – you know, the, the yearly option's got, you know, this discount. and all this stuff. So there's probably a lot of people out there that still have flow sports that never canceled it from the monthly subscription or accidentally paid for the yearly. So – uh, they'll probably be in good shape. What do you What do you think about this baseball team? I mean, obviously Dave Van Horn has a pretty proven track record, but uh, do they have a chance to to be better than last year? You know, I think I think in, when you think about the regular season, I'm not saying this team's going to finish top three in the College World Series. It's it's impossible to kind of predict postseason success, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is a better team start to finish in the regular season. Now they are going to have to face an absolutely brutal schedule, which. You know, we talked about starts right out in the gate with three ranked teams, three Big 12 programs, but even their non-conference games, I mean, they, they're facing a right state team that's they're going to play them in a three-game series, which mm-hmm. I'm predicting is going to be the team that somehow wins one game in that weekend series and fans freak out, and then they realize, oh, right state's a team that goes to the tournament every year and they're not that bad. They're kind of one of those programs that's just scrappy enough to steal a game from a big team in a three-game series. Louisiana Tech's another team that's coming in here. They're, they're That's a good non-conference weekend series, but – you know, this team, they have so many – I mean, the, the, you know, we talked about the depth so much. That's kind of the number one thing that jumps out But with the pitching staff, I'm saying. But, you know, the, the lineup just has so many proven, experienced guys. And I think there's a negative connotation sometimes when you talk about JUCO transfers. And Arkansas has a few of those JUCO transfers that they're really counting on 
Caleb Callie's a guy that really sticks out to me that nobody in the country is really talking about him. I mean, D1 Baseball just did their projections. They didn't have him in their top 150 third baseman, which is crazy to me. I mean, this guy's – I mean, he's he might be the best hitter on this Arkansas lineup, hmm. but he came from the JUCO ranks, so nobody hmm. really knows about him. But Arkansas's had a good run with JUCO guys lately, and there's going to be a lot yeah. of newcomers on this lineup. But I think I'm really – I'm kind of bullish, but cautiously optimistic because – they got off to a slow start last year, so you know we'll see. But I'm, I think the pieces they have the pieces to be what they've been the last decade. Andrew, you're kind of in that age range and relationship status that Valentine's Day might mean something. You got your Valentine stuff sorted out. Well, I'm 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 actually glad you asked about this, Trey. <laughs> I, I had my Valentine's Day plans set. Uh-huh. I had a reservation at Zuma. I said mm-hmm. it last week. I was so pumped. Then they sent it, they sent me a text Saturday and said, "Hey, we're really you know grateful to have you for this Valentine's thing. It's going to be awesome. Here's our menu that we're using tonight. That oh, is yeah. completely different than our normal menu. Mm-hmm. It's fifty dollars a person, and you have no choice but to do it. Yeah. So I canceled that reservation today. I am a uh, I'm staying in for Valentine's Day this year because mm-hmm. it's impossible to get a reservation right now. But so I'm a little disappointed about that. And uh, but you know, I know it, it is what it is. I know it's a big deal for restaurants." to they do this specialized menu where you order this item this item that you know however many courses and stuff um they don't serve their normal food that they you know even if you love what the the place has they never serve the normal food i know it's a big deal they make a lot of money off of it but uh i'm against it i I, i'm anti uh valentine's day dinner because of the the set changed menus Uh, but luckily my wife does not find valentine's to be important i'm at a different age i'm 45 you're mid-20s <laughs> so a different different stage of life my for me i think my wife is you know is happy if i if i just think about her and you know get the normal type of stuff to wake up to my, that for me it's actually probably a bigger deal for my daughter who is nine to you know get something from her daddy and you know get some balloons and candy and little flower thing. So that's, that's where my Valentine's day is, but we've stayed in for Valentine's and, you know, cook at home or do something like that for, for years. But I know you're in a different relationship status than a guy who's been married for many, many years. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can talk to my girlfriend about getting on that plan of, uh, just staying in every year for Valentine's. But yeah, it's so much cooler when you're a kid and you get to bring the, the stuff to school and you get candy and all that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's great stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, you know, and I made up holiday. I, say, I don't want to. I don't want to hammer home on on Zuma too much. But the problem, the last problem I want to mention is they didn't mention anything about it on the website when I made my reservation. But you're you're a bit of a rookie, I think, because that is a pretty typical um, situation at most sit down restaurants, like that. You know, independently owned restaurants where they're going to have a set menu like that. Yeah, I, I guess I am a rookie uh, at this kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, you, you think you'd mention it on the website if you're going to mm-hmm. be doing it a week later. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I'll, I'll make the most of what I can. So this is why people tune into the show for information exactly. like this. Exactly. This is great stuff right here. Right, right out there, there's some 19-year-old who had no idea about the set menu situation for Valentine's. All right, Andrew, anything else you want to add about Razorback uh, baseball or sports in general? I mean, you cover the breadth of, of Razorback sports. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm actually currently I have it. I have my headphones plugged in. I'm not listening to it, but Eric Musselman's currently doing mm-hmm. his weekly press conference. He's he's actually repping a Rihanna halftime show shirt. It looks like he got. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see this Arkansas basketball team because that was such. a – I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Just just laid an egg at home and kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. You know, you'd think 
it's it's kind of an obvious letdown spot after the the Kentucky game, having such a big win. But you know, I thought with an extra day to prepare, they would they would you know kind of be good. But I guess the big question from here on is where do they go with the Nick Smith Jr. situation? Do we see him start against Texas A and M? Just how does that mm-hmm. evolution of the the lineup and are they going to be able to kind of ramp things up quick enough? But you know, I I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not as discouraged as I thought I would be with a basketball team given the. the poor performance on saturday i I just i have a feeling that they're going to end up getting things together Mm -hmm. and who knows if they'll make another run but you know we've seen this team kind of play up and down to any competition they faced and i i I see this team kind of putting the pieces together and we'll see if they they have enough to make a run but yeah i'm I'm not not all the way disappointed just yet i mean we're we're disappointed in some area but I'm, i'm with you and i see so many people just People react like this way in baseball too. Like anytime they lose, just like oh my, it's a disastrous team sucks. All this stuff. Like they're gonna lose games. I mean, it's it's basketball, baseball. They're gonna they're gonna lose games. The, the trick is obviously to win more than you lose, but it's just gonna happen. And you need to be peaking at the right time. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't quit on this basketball team. But when you look at the comments below on just about anything, it's it's a lot of that kind of talk. Like now oh, these guys suck. Devo, what it you know. Debo can't do it, you know, when before last game, it's like praising Debo and praising, you know, um, how this team has turned things around. And, um, you know, they're still, again, 15-2 and two in the month of February over the last three years. Yeah, and I think football has just conditioned our brains to where every week oh, yeah. matters so much. And every and all we have is the small sample size to react to yeah. in football. You know, football, you can freak strike. out with a loss. Yes, absolutely. Right, whereas, 12 whereas games. sometimes <laughs> – Right, and sometimes it's just it's not any deeper than they just play poorly on a given day, you know, mm-hmm. and that can happen in football, and it's obviously more of a derailing situation there. But, you know, sometimes with basketball, especially it's such a high-variance sport, you have a weird matchup. It just kind of happens. But it's it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what this team looks like. You know, they've, they've started to pick things up on the road, and so if they could pick up this win against A&M, I think it would really kind of be a sigh of relief. They could kind of mm-hmm. go ahead and put to bed any of the bubble talk. I think that would – really probably solidify them barring yeah. anything crazy and it would just make fans feel so much better about the outlook of things moving forward and kind of get them excited for march again hey they got plenty of opportunities to prove themselves coming up all right andrew appreciate you brother absolutely thank ha- you happy valentine's have you too <laughs> as men do you guys expect to get to receive valentine's day gifts like is that just i don't know if anybody ever gives me valentine's since like elementary school anyway anyway Happy Valentine's to all of you, and uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. Curtis Wilkerson will be back with you guys uh, after the after the Texas A&M game. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll do a show right after. Probably a show right after since it's a, it's a later game. Uh, so Curtis will be with you guys, I guess, on Thursday to do Hog Hoops Live. Hog Hoops Live is same Facebook page, same podcast channels, but a different YouTube page. So if you want to watch it on YouTube, you need to subscribe to the Hog Hoops Live uh, channel and you can check out Curtis there does a great job all right everybody thanks to Andrew Ellis for joining us talk a little bit about Razorback baseball thanks to all of you for watching thanks to our subscribers of course and we'll be back with you guys next week unless something crazy happens this has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com and we'll catch you next time The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.